I still had this like weird, irrational fear that the midwife would get there and check me and tell me I was like two centimeters dilated. Like I kept thinking this, but then once I started feeling like I needed to push, I checked myself and I could feel his head like an inch away from the opening. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth Podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. We love a good birth story, and especially one that can't help but inspire you to give a little or a whole lot more trust to the birth process. Megan is a blogger, a homesteader, and a lover of all things DIY of the Wilson Family Homestead. She joins us today to share her unintentionally unassisted home birth of her second child. After three weeks of prodromal labor, Megan figured it was just another night of false contractions as she tucked herself into bed. Less than two hours later, she was naked on her rustic kitchen floor with her son in her arms and her husband by her side. Hi, my name is Megan Wilson. Um, I am a mom of two. I have an 18-month-old daughter named Sophia and a three-month-old son named Demetrius. And me and my husband, Luke, have been married for a little over three years now. We live in Montana, so we do all kinds of hiking and camping and snowboarding in the winter, and it's a lot of fun here. And We live on a little homestead with rabbits and a big garden and have a lot of stuff going on. We're actually remodeling our 100-year-old farmhouse, too, so we're very, very busy. (laughs) So my daughter, um, I was planning a home birth with her, and it's funny because before I got pregnant with her, I was totally planning on having my first in a hospital, and my sister-in-law has had several home births and an unassisted birth, and she talked me into having a home birth, so I switched Once I got pregnant to planning the home birth, I contacted the family midwife who had birthed some of my my husband's siblings and all of my sister-in-law's home birth kids. Um, So it's just kind of cool that she's like the family midwife. Um, I went into labor three days after my due date, I think, and it was a really, really long labor. It was 24 hours and I had, um, what's it called, a cervical lip, I think. And so the midwife would have to like pull my cervix out of the way with every contraction so that the baby could come out. And so I had like a two hour long transition and then three hours of pushing. And I um, ended up tearing in several places. And it was, it was a really hard birth. And afterwards I was like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> it took me, I was, she was probably about two months old by the time I decided I wanted to go through labor again. But when you had that thought, I'm not doing that again, did you mean I'm not having another baby or I'm not having another baby at home or I'm not? Or what? I'm not having another baby because no, no I'm not going to go through labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then she was so cute and I was like, oh, I want another one. <laughs> you really do forget like how bad it is. And first labors are just really difficult. And it's just very much different from my second one because after he was born, like the next minute, I was like, I want to do that again. Like I can't wait to go through labor again. Wow. So yeah. So tell us about it. Yeah. So, well, we decided to get an ultrasound around 20 weeks to find out the gender. And during the ultrasound, they found out my placenta was low lying. And she said that if it didn't go back up 
I, I think it has to be within like three centimeters or something to your cervix for you to be able to have a home birth. It was just kind of like a, a worry a little bit, but it ended up being perfectly fine. And then I had a lot of prodromal labor with him too. Starting at like 37 weeks, I had prodromal labor like every single night. I thought I was going to go into labor and it was getting really, really exhausting. Annoying. That can be very tiring. And yes. We were like real contractions and I would have to like stop and breathe through them. And then I would go to sleep and sometime during the night they would stop. And I was just like, I am never going to have this baby. <laughs> it was driving me crazy. It's always tricky for practitioners to know, you know, is this yeah. labor actually progressing into true labor or is it going to stop and go away? Because obviously sometimes second babies can come really quickly. Um, yeah. So you can't ignore it, but yeah. It, it, yeah, it can be very tiring, especially if it's happening at night. Um, so how long did it go on for, for you before labor actually kicked in? Three weeks. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was very tiring and it was, it was a good lesson for me in patience because by the end I had just completely surrendered to whatever my body was going to do. And just, I had to come to a full trust in that the baby was just going to come out when, when he was ready. So it was good for me, but very frustrating. Tiring. Did it, yeah. did it, did it go away for periods of time or were you really experiencing it kind of chronically day it and would, night? It would go away for most of the night. It would start up sometime in the morning go all day. And then especially in the evening, it would start getting worse. And I would always be like, I wonder if I'm going into labor. And then I would go to bed and an hour or two into sleeping, it would go away again. So yeah, it was pretty constant. It was very annoying. And there were several times that I had like these really, really intense, like um, period cramps. And one time, like I couldn't even walk because there was a period cramp in my hip so bad. It was just like, and I thought for sure I was going to labor then. So I was like a little bit like, I'm not sure when, I'll know when I go into labor because it keeps like changing and I'm like, surely this is it. Yeah. So three weeks of that. And then it was actually on his due date. Um, but that night I, we went to bed as normal. I was having my prodromal labor contractions. And so I just didn't think anything of it. And I woke up at 12 o'clock and they hadn't gone away. Normally they would have gone away by then and they were just keeping going and they were getting a little bit more intense. So it woke me back up and I just went out and I stood by the fireplace and I went to the bathroom and I got myself a snack to try to just see if they would go away from movement and just to try to feel if they felt different again. Um, and they just kept getting more and more intense so that by 1230 only Half an hour later, I woke up my husband because I needed help during the contractions. And he was like, are you sure this is the real thing? Because I want to go back to sleep. <laughs> um, and I was like, I'm pretty sure. And you said, you poor dear. <laughs> yeah, you poor thing. Like, you're not one mess to go through labor here. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. But that was a long time for him too, I guess, to be uncertain and wondering what's going on, right? I know, yeah. It's and so just, funny. Yeah, yeah. just, uh, I had so much of prodromal labor that I... The boy who cried wolf. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he got up at around 1230 and I texted my midwife and she asked me to time the contractions. And I ended up timing five of them. I I personally only times two, timed two and then I had to have my husband time the other three because they were getting so intense so quickly. They were just like, 
the thought of thinking about like pressing the button on my phone to to start the timer was like way too too hard um and they were about 60 seconds long and 60 seconds apart at that point and i had only been in labor for like half an hour oh. um, and I texted her and she was like, I am getting out of my pajamas and I am on the way right now, but she lives an hour away. So I kind of figured that she wouldn't make it. And so many times during this pregnancy, I had been like, you know, I bet I'll have a really fast labor and my midwife won't even make it. And I was just like, kind of hoping, I was like, I really just don't want her to be there. Like, I love my midwife. It's not because I don't love my midwife. It's just like, I wanted to do it by myself. Interesting. Um, but yeah, they were just getting like super intense, like really fast. I was sitting on the birth ball at first and I would hold on to my husband and like lean back as far as I could. And I was just trying to get the pressure off of my pelvis area and ended up being more comfortable to stand. And it was interesting that my body just kind of knew like what to do without me thinking about it. Like I didn't even, my brain didn't even know that it was happening so fast, but like, I just found myself over in the kitchen on a spot on the floor that it wouldn't really matter if it got all messy. And I just like would do all these things without my brain even realizing it. Cause my, my body was just like doing its thing. Your instincts were kicking in and taking over. They were, it was really strange to have that happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was standing over in the kitchen, like right, right here next to where I'm sitting right now. Um, and I was leaning over our baby gate, holding onto it really tight. And my husband was trying to run around and do things in those little breaks because we had a list of things that we needed to do once I went into labor and like cover the windows and just for privacy, um, get out our birth box, make sure that people knew I was in labor and none of it happened because there was like such a short window in between my contractions that he would like race around like a maniac and then as soon as i would go into a contraction i would like gasp for him to come over and so i was just like you don't worry about the list it's it's fine if it doesn't get done it's not the end of the world so uh he didn't get anything done on the list which was fine um they were just like getting so intense I, it felt like a freight train was like moving through my body is like the only way i can explain it really and like during the contraction, it would feel like there's no way I can like do another one of these. And then afterwards I'd be like, okay, that's just one, one less contraction I have to do later. And I would just like keep telling myself that's like one less contraction I have to do and just like working through one contraction at a time. So my husband kept putting um, Clary Sage essential oil on my back and my wrists. And it was just really sweet because he knew I wanted to do all these things. I had like a list of things that I wanted to do during labor, like use the birth ball, and it was like so fast that like nothing except for that one thing got done. It was only because he remembered to like, he knew I wanted it. So he just brought it over and did it. He also set up our camera, which I didn't even know until afterwards, which I was also really glad because that yeah. was really good footage of the birth. Um, but yeah, it was, my daughter was also sleeping upstairs. And this was one thing I was really worried about before I went into labor was that I would be really loud because I was with my daughter, like I was, so loud. I'm sure I woke up all of our neighbors and I had such a sore throat the next day from yelling so much. <laughs> and it, when, when I had her, it was like not even voluntary, like it just happened, it just came out of me. So I was like, how am I going to be quiet? And she's upstairs. And if I yell for that long, it's going to wake her up and I don't want her down here. And so, but I was like quiet as a mouse through 
the entire labor. So I was like super grateful that I just felt calm. Like it was really intense, but it wasn't scaring me. I just felt so present in it, which is exactly what I wanted. That was like my goal. And I had thought about it so much when I was pregnant, just that I wanted this birth to be so much different than hers. And I wanted to like feel the contractions more, which sounds weird, but just like with the experience. Did you feel in your first experience that you were less present because you were um, more scared of the process? Yeah, it was kind of, I was scared of the process. Like I didn't know what it'd be like and it just freaked me out. And then also by the time I was in the pushing stage, especially I was so tired that I would fall asleep in, contra in between contractions. And I was just like gone. Like I was just so tired mm. and I really didn't want that for this one, um, which it was so fast that I was not nearly as tired. But yeah, um, the labor, I had woken up my husband at 1230 and then by 130, I felt like I needed to poop and my body was just bearing down by itself, that fetal ejection reflex, I think. And without me even doing anything, it just felt like I was pushing, but I still had this like weird, irrational fear that the midwife would get there and check me and tell me I was like two centimeters dilated. Like I kept thinking this. But then once I started feeling like I needed to push, I checked myself and I could feel his head like an inch away from the opening. So I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm 10 centimeters dilated, so I can probably push with the contraction. <laughs> yeah, your cervix was definitely gone by that point. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so then once I knew I was like dilated, I pushed and it was only, I only pushed with the contractions twice. I pushed and his head came out and, oh, and before, before that, I, before that I had, uh, I had been standing, leaning over, holding onto our baby gate. And every time I'd have a contraction, my husband would like hold up my whole upper body, like all my weight because I needed to be standing, but I also needed to relax my torso. I feel so bad for him because I'm sure he was tired for doing that for like an hour straight. But then as soon as I felt like I needed to push, I went down into a squat and then I pushed with a contraction and I felt his, I felt the ring of fire and I kind of like lunged forward to get away from it, which was weird. I didn't expect. That's a common phenomenon that women kind of try to take off or disappear, right? When the baby's going to come, they're like, I'm out of here. And you're right, just yeah. thinking, okay, go ahead. But you're taking the whole baby and experience with you. Like, know, you're, yeah. you're free to go. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a response many women have like, nope not happening. Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of smacked into our baby gate that was right in front of me a little bit. And Luke was like, what is going on? Because he had no idea that it was going this fast. So he's like, why are you running into the gate? Like, weirdo. <laughs> um, but his head came out and I reached down and felt it. And like, as it came out, it was like so small, like it just felt so tiny. And then like, right after it came out, it like expanded a little bit, which was freaky. I've I didn't feel that with my daughters. When you feel the baby's head coming through the vaginal yeah. opening, it first it can feel, because you're just getting sort of the posterior part of the head, it can feel small, but as it comes through and reaches its widest part, yeah, that's when you get that ring of fire. And when it comes all the way through, then you realize how much bigger it actually is. Right. So I think you were feeling yeah. like... I didn't think it actually could get bigger like that yeah. but it was just like it does. <laughs> I remember thinking that during the moment I was like this is so small and then as it came out I was like oh my gosh that's it's so good. huge like it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger I know. and then it passes yeah. that widest part and it's like oh okay yeah <laughs>
yeah, so, and then his head was just out after that first contraction until the next one. And then I pushed again and his body came out and he was just there and I turned him over and made sure that there was nothing blocking and that he could breathe and he started crying and it was just so crazy and I was just like sitting there squatting in our kitchen next to our big bag of onions and it was just like so you know real life and I sent Luke to go get some towels and waterproof pads and put them on our couch so that I could go sit down. Um, I stood up and I remember being irritated that I couldn't like pull him up to my chest and I was like looking at him, I was like trying to figure out what was wrong. And his cord was up from his belly button over around the back of his neck, uh -huh. down his other shoulder. It wasn't around the front of his neck, but it was just like <laughs> in my just freshly given birth brain, I couldn't figure out right away how to fix it. <laughs> but I got the cord over his head and then I ran across our rug. So I didn't drip too bad to get to the couch where Luke had put towels out and it was just like a minute or two later, our midwife walked in the door and he was crying and she was like, oh, it sounds like there's a baby. And yeah, it was just perfect. And I instantly was like, I can't wait to get pregnant again because that was so fun. Oh my gosh. Really? Wow. So How long did that labor last? It was two hours from, from beginning to end. From the minute I woke up and I had those first little contractions that I weren't sure if they were mm -hmm. prodromal labor or not until he was born, it was two hours. Even though prodromal labor isn't actually labor, that doesn't mean that it's not doing work to get your body ready. And so yes. probably when you started this labor, you were already significantly dilated. Um, and that's and that's why it went so fast. So all yeah. that three weeks of work was helping you. It was it was <laughs> worth it. I would I would say for sure that I would much rather go through three weeks of just a little bit annoying contractions than a really long labor like my daughter's. Yeah. But but sometimes some women will actually say that these very precipitous labors that that you had are actually um, they they prefer them less to a more reasonable length labor because they are so intense. And that feeling of yeah. being like, like you said, like a freight train is running through your body can be so incredibly overwhelming for people that um, yeah. I have definitely had mothers who say, I would never want to do it like that again. It's, it's less intense and more exhausting when it's longer. Yes. Yeah. It just happens so quickly. You just, yeah. You're just, it's such a trade-off either way. You're so in the moment. Yeah. What was birthing the placenta like? Um, the placenta wasn't born for like an hour or so. My, I kept getting these really bad after pains and the midwife was like, that your placenta's ready to come out. And so she would have me push and I just couldn't get any traction on the placenta because it was like, you know, like the baby's so big in your uterus that you can like get good traction around it to push the baby out. But then the placenta's just like, I don't know, like I just had a hard time with it. And I worked at it for a while and then I would get, really bad cramps and I'd have to like take a break and she ended up having to help me traction it a little bit and it came right out. There was no issues with it. It was just like hard for me to figure out how to push it properly, I guess. And I had like wanted to, I don't know, for some reason I was like all fascinated with placenta birth during my pregnancy. And I was like, I would, I really want to birth placenta by myself. Like I don't want, because with Sophia's she had to traction it as well it was being stubborn. So I got back up and sat down and she just helped traction it and it came right out and it didn't hurt, but I was really happy to just have it out because then I could like, it was good to get it done. And I was just really happy when it was over and she got, we got this placenta out. And then I love that she like 
shows all the different parts of the placenta and like explains everything and shows where the baby was inside and it's like so cool to see um we left him attached for like an hour or two which mm -hmm. i was so excited about because i didn't do that with sophia and i wished afterwards that i had um and then she was also looking at the cord and it was stained brown and she said he probably um had meconium in the waters but I was so glad that he hadn't breathed any of it in. It was like not an issue that there was meconium in the waters. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just interesting that she could tell from the cord. Yeah, so she, we left the cord attached and all that. And then once, once we cut it, Luke cut it. And she wrapped it up and put it in our refrigerator because I take my placenta. I cut it up into what well, we steam it to kill all the bacteria. And then I cut it up and freeze it. And I take it as little pills. Encapsulation. Yeah, yeah, except not in actual like capsules. They're just like chunks. You and you how do you eat the chunk? How do you take it? Um, you make sure that they're really tiny and then you freeze them so that they're hard and you don't have to taste them as they go down. But you also have to make sure they're really small because the sharp little edges don't feel good. And it really seemed like it helped with just my milk supply came in so much faster and my hormones were not as crazy. With my daughter, I had like the worst baby blues. I almost thought it was like bordering on postpartum depression, but mm -hmm. with him, I was like, I had zero issues with that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we moved over to the bed after we got all the meconium cleaned up, which took a long time because it's, it's like really sticky. Um, I got him latched on and he nursed on both sides twice within the first hour of him being born. He just was so good at nursing and um, she, she stitched me up while I was laying on the bed. I had to squeeze my husband's hand really tight because I hated it so much. <laughs> um, yeah, and with, let's see, it was about by five o'clock in the morning, she had cleaned up the entire house. She got all of the towels and laundry in the washer and she just left us alone to take a little nap before my daughter woke up. And yeah, it was, it was just really nice. <laughs> and then we had breakfast a little bit later, but yeah, it was just, Really nice and then my my daughter woke up around seven and she got to meet him and it was really cute she was like staring at him for a long time and then she just went up and gave him a kiss on his head which was so cute because like we never suggested it and she wasn't really into giving kisses then it was just really sweet <laughs> you got the unassisted home birth that you that you wanted yeah it was like exactly how i wanted it was i couldn't have made it any better i could i wouldn't really change anything about it and i just fully trusted that my body could do what it needed to. It was kind of like just learning, the whole pregnancy was just kind of learning this, that, that I could trust my body to do what it needed to. And especially after having such a hard birth with my daughter, I was like, when I got pregnant with him, I was like really scared of going through that again. And I just did so much research on like different things to do if something went wrong. I listened to so many positive birth stories and then by the end, I was just like, I want to have it by myself because I know I can do this. And it was just, yeah, it was a good, good lesson for me in trusting myself. <laughs> so you think the research got you to the place of trust or was it something else that, what, what is it that got you there? I think the research definitely helped, like just immersing myself in positive birth stories. I mean, it was a big part of that. And then also just, I mean, just the little things like I didn't have any vaginal checks during my pregnancy or anything like that. Like, I just know that it's going to be fine. So I, I would just 
refuse something like that just because I knew that I didn't really need it. It sounds like you were uh, building, yeah. you were building trust in your body and yourself throughout yeah. the whole pregnancy. And then yeah. when, when labor comes on the way it did and is so intense and so fast, it's like it, you have no choice but to be forced into the present moment and there's, yes. there's no time or space for worry. It's like you really yes. just settle right into that. Like I have got to right. surrender to this and trust this and just let it, let my body yeah. and my baby do their thing. And yeah. and the prodromal labor was also a really good practice for me too, because every time I thought I would go into labor, I'd have a contraction that was really intense with the prodromal labor. I would just like think, bring it on and just like be put myself in this really positive frame of mind and just where I was hoping that labor would start. Um, and then once labor really did start, I had like practiced so much, like just being really positive about it, that it was just like exciting. And even though it hurt, it was, it was, I don't know, it was enjoyable in a way. Yeah. Was your husband worried at any point or was he totally supportive all the way through? No, he was totally good. He, well, he didn't even, realize it was happening so fast like when he, when Dimmy's head came out and Luke kind of looked down and he like did a double look he's like what is going on <laughs> but yeah he was super good I mean home birth is a lot more common in his family um, than most people I think so he just really trusts that I know what I'm doing so mm -hmm. it was just really nice that he was staying calm too <laughs> um, so you preferred having an unassisted home birth Yes. Would you ever intentionally plan it that way if you were going to have another baby? Would you would you go that step further to say I am going to have an unassisted or or would you still an unassisted home birth or would you still say well we need to have a midwife so it's not really think, an option. Yeah, I think that next time we'll plan it to be unassisted. And so what does that mean? Does that mean not having a midwife? I mean, what does that really mean? Well, um what I like, ideally, what I would love to happen have happen is that I still see my midwife for some prenatal appointments, and then have her come after the baby's born just to make sure that everything's good. And that would be what I would really want to do because then I just have that little bit of backup that she's coming afterwards. She's like done all my care up until then, so she can help us if something like needs to happen. But then, you know, just not not call her when I go into labor. <laughs> Yeah. I can't wait to do it again. Yes, I can't wait. I'm, I really want to get pregnant right now, but I don't know. I've been having like issues with my pelvis and bladder and stuff from having back-to-back -back pregnancies and then not doing very many exercises during. So I really need to wait and make sure yeah. I'm really healthy before I get pregnant again, even though it's like my own baby's giving me baby fever. I like look at him and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I need to make another one. They can become addictive though. That You know, you, I get, know. you get addicted to that oxytocin. I know. I'm going to have a hard time stopping when mm -hmm. we're going to have like 15 kids if I <laughs> don't stop it. So would you mind giving just a couple of minutes to um, your borderline postpartum depression with your daughter, Sophia. Yeah. So it's, the definition really is like anything exceeding about two weeks of feeling like, what's up? I feel not myself. I feel down or I feel whatever, yeah. angry, resentful, stressed, overwhelmed. Those are all the emotions underlying postpartum depression, right. anxiety. And when it lasts over two weeks, we do say that like you're pretty much in that field, even if it only manifests as anxiety. So for oh. you, how long did you feel that lasted? And 
What were the emotions you were feeling? What do you have to say about what you learned from the experience? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, if that's, I guess if that's the definition, I, I probably did have postpartum depression then because it, it was pretty constant for like three or four weeks. It was pretty close to a month that it was like, I just felt really sad a lot for like no reason. I would just cry and I'd be like, why am I crying? Like I have this baby, everything's great. Like my life's perfect. Like, why am I so upset? Let me guess. Then you felt guilty for your thoughts. I did feel guilty. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And just like really anxious, like with her, I was so stressed out, like unbelievably stressed. Like I wouldn't take her in the car. I wouldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't, cause I first had this weird thing where I thought I couldn't take care of her unless I was at home, which is ridiculous. Cause as long as I have my breasts with me and a couple diapers, then I'm good to go. But, um, and then you don't as, have to expect it to be rational. You right. Know, yeah. You know, we don't have to be so hard on ourselves about it. Like, but it's ridiculous. Cause of the, it's like, it's, we can't explain away any of these emotions. You can look back on it now and say it's ridiculous, but in that moment, it feels, in the moment, it feels perfectly normal. This is, and it's very right. real. It's very real. Yeah. Yeah. So as she got older, me feeling anxious was not as constant. It was more like off and on. And she, when she was around three months old, she got thrush and that kind of threw me back into postpartum depression again. I was just like, I would just sit in the bathroom and cry. It felt like I was dying. Like, and it was just this intense, like anxious, stressed feeling that I can't really explain. It was just so mm-hmm. awful. Um, and then just as she got older and I saw that like each time something would come up, like she would start teething or something would happen she had a dairy allergy for a while. And, but as I started seeing that each thing would be resolved, like everything was just, would just come in phases. Um, I started not freaking out as bad each time something would happen. Mm-hmm. And then ever since he's been born, like I think my postpartum depression lasted up until he was born. But then as soon as he was born, I was like super confident. I took them camping the other week, which I would never even have considered before he was born. But just like knowing I've got everything I need to take care of him, I'm wondering if it's partly because I was so confident during his birth and now I'm like, I got this, I can do whatever I want. Um, but it took me a long time to get past just the, the anxiety after I had my daughter. But, and then, yeah, just thinking back, like as he's three months right now, when she was three months, I just have such a different feeling about it. And I, I, was struggling for a little while with that. I, w- I wish I had, like, I almost feel like I, um, what am I trying to say? Like, I was so stressed when she was a baby that I didn't give her the same, like, love and just confidence that I'm giving him, which makes me feel a little bad. But then also, like, I know that I couldn't, couldn't help it, you know. So that's a very common way that women feel. And it's like if they have postpartum depression or anxiety for the first baby um, and don't for the second, then they start to feel bad. Like we have an episode of a postpartum roundtable. I think it was episode three. And one of the moms is saying in it, like, did I miss her? Like she had a daughter and then a son like you. She's saying, did I miss this the first time around? Did I miss the joy and the connection and the love? And that's a really normal way to feel. Okay. That's, that is the sign of a mother who's very loving and attentive and sensitive. So if you're feeling that way, 
the bottom line is you are a loving, sensitive, attentive mother, and that's what your children have. But the key thing about this is that from the baby's perspective, their whole world is whether someone is responding to their cries and their needs. And yeah. if you can say that you did, then your children had an equivalent experience. It didn't matter if you were breastfeeding her and crying, if you were changing her diaper and feeling stressed, she yeah. was being touched and loved and cared for. So it's really okay to give yourself permission to just say, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm only second guessing this and feeling guilty about this because I'm a loving connected mom in the first place. And that's like period. Yeah. Let, yeah. Right. Like how lucky both of my children are that they have me. That's it. We don't, that's it. That's all we, that's it. Right. Yeah. That's a great way to think about that. And that, that does make me feel better that, yeah. Cause their, their care is quite similar in just like the basic, you know, everything, but just the, that my feeling about them was different from child to child, I guess at their age, they probably wouldn't even like realize that not only do they not realize it they had a complete experience from you but from our perspective one step away hearing your story what we feel is just compassion for you that first time around we're not the least bit worried about oh gosh her daughter didn't have as much there's none of that there because yeah. she had everything but it's like oh poor megan like that was hard for her the first time and we're so happy it was easier the second time that's yeah. the story it's really about your experience the first time versus the second yeah and they're, they're great. They're fine. And they've always been fine. It's not always the case for all babies. Some mothers suffer so badly. The babies are at risk of not being cared for, but that wasn't your, that isn't your story. Yeah. It's, it's that you were suffering, but your daughter Sophia wasn't no matter how guilty you feel and responsible you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That is very true. <laughs> if there were one thing that you could share with other women advice that you might want to give them about their own upcoming birth experience or how to make a decision on, on where they should have their baby, what might you say to them? Yeah, um, I would probably say that trust in your body and yourself is like so important and just trust in your instincts and that you'll know the best thing to do for, I mean, everything like where you're gonna have your baby and you choose as your provider and that your body can like birth this baby without anyone else there. And even going into motherhood that you birth this baby and you can take care of them. And just, I mean, having trust in yourself is like such a big deal. Um, it just gives you such confidence in every area. And that's just been so important to me the second time around making everything just so enjoyable like my labor was enjoyable and I feel like it was because I trusted myself so much if you enjoyed our podcast please take a moment to leave us a review on apple podcasts and share a favorite episode or two you can follow us on instagram and twitter at down to birth show or contact us and review show notes at down to Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. I only wish they could see you tell the story because oh, there's never you. a smile off your face. You know, oh, you tell the whole thing with a smile on your face. Yeah. And that's <laughs> super cool about her story is she has a video of this birth. So we can link 
to the video of the birth and people can... Oh, it's, it's out there? It's on YouTube. It is. Mm -hmm. So that'll be really, really fun for people to see.